Welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are continuing our Black History Month celebration of black westerns. And tonight it is two, the first of two weeks in a row where Vince gets to select where we ride our steeds. And tonight we are taking it to the year of 1911, where we will drop in on Thomasine and Bushrod, starring and written by Max Julian, as well as starring his uh, lovely co-star Vanetta McGee and directed by Gordon Parks Jr. That's coming your way tonight on the Michelle Mission. But first, as always, we want to thank each and every one of you out there that is listens to our show and is watching us as we stream live on YouTube and Facebook at Michelle Mission. How are you doing, each and every one of you? First one in the chat, Robert Monroe Jr., standing at attention. How you doing, brother? Hey, what's going on, Robert? Vincent, how are you doing, my good friend? I am fine. I am fine. I am here. It is Tuesday. We're doing Westerns. That's what we're doing. But first, we are answering our listener mail. All right. We're doing first. And to start things off, Vince, we have a message a email in fact okay from jennifer a hey jennifer a who is recommending in the subject line an underrated movie okay i want to recommend premium a 2006 <laughs> movie starring zoe saldana dorian missick and Hill Harper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a film that you have talked about before. I, I am. I, I, it remember. was it was my introduction to our friend Dorian Missick. That's I thought right. it was earlier than 2006. Is that when it came out? 2006 is when this romantic dramedy yeah. written and directed by Pete Shaman, Shaman uh, actually hit the theaters. I think that may be the first time I saw Zoe Saldana, too. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's a neat huh. little movie. Yeah, it's a neat little movie. And I really like Hill Harper in that movie. Okay. Right. Okay. Like, he plays a bit of a tough guy. Hill Harper? Exactly. Exactly. Hill Harper? He, he really plays against type. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know it, what? Hey. I'm not going to put that past anybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because because when we saw Slight, and I saw Dulé Hill, who I only knew primarily from West Wing and the TV series Psych, and he plays a a sleek, slick, drug dealing villain in that film. Yeah, and he got it over. So it's All almost right. as if these people pretend to be other people based on a script, and when the camera is on. I know. I think there's a name for that. I'm going to act like I don't know the name. (laughs) And I'm going to go on to the next message that we have here, Vince. And that is actually from our Facebook group, The Show Mission. 
where the missionaries have a lot of fun going back and forth with one another, where we got a note from Troy L. Thompson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, fellas. I listened to your fast forward episode today. He's actually, he must be digging in the archives. Right, right, right. Digging in the crates. I really like that episode. You opened my eyes to me downgrading the movie from A to B, but there is absolutely no effing way that Troop's version of All I Do Is Think Of You is better than the Jackson 5 version. The orchestration alone generates chills, and also I love Jermaine's singing. Mm. Yeah, I actually responded to him. You know, I love that kind of stuff. I know. I you know, I love that. that. You know, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, I see. First and foremost, to our newer missionaries, I highly recommend the fast forward episode because that uh, features um soft spot Lynn, like my favorite Lynn. <laughs> Lynn has a soft spot for fast forward, and I find it absolutely adorable. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so if you just listen, like if you just listen to the last 10 episodes, you're like, oh, that Lynn, he don't like <laughs> it. Oh, that Lynn. Go listen to Fast Forward. It's cuddly Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> but um it's it's it seems like at, uh liking the Jackson 5 version would be the the easy bet. But I maintain Troop's version is better. I maintain Troop's version is better. I think, and and I'm just sort of verbatim going what I wrote um, in response. I think Jermaine Jackson, who I'm a fan of, I'm actually a fan Mm -hmm. of Jermaine Jackson. I think he doesn't really come into his own as a vocalist. Until he's an adult. Until after the Jackson 5 breaks up. And and you can kind of come up with your own reason. I think the easy armchair psychologist read is that he never quite recovered from being in the shadow of his younger brother, Michael. Right. Because right. if you know the history of the family, Jermaine was the lead singer. Like originally it was the three older brothers, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Marlon. And then Michael ended up being, you know, Michael. And then Jermaine got pushed to the background and i think you hear that in his vocals and it's funny i was um i was i was looking up stuff of that jermaine sang after because my two favorite sort of jermaine performances we were joking about this a few months ago the video but i really love um do what you do you know why do you like that like i think that's a beautiful song and i think that jermaine jackson holds his own with the two songs he did with whitney houston Oh wow, I wasn't gonna go there. Okay. Right. And um sidebar looked up Jermaine Jackson Whitney Houston because I couldn't remember the name of the songs. And when mm-hmm. you Google Jermaine Jackson Whitney Houston, it is a pretty well known rumor that Saving All My Love it's is about, about Jermaine Jack. You knew that? Yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm, I, I'm I, the, I do remember reading about that. I'm the last person on earth to know that she was singing about <laughs> Jermaine Jackson. It was just me. I think it was just you. Was I just do kind you. of remember that. I do yeah. kind of remember that. Um, but I think he sa- he sounds a little kind of tenuous 
in in, mm-hmm. in their version of All Out, which is from um 1975. It's actually off of their last studio album with uh, Motown. And then, of course, Troop, that's from their debut album. And that was right. their big hit. And I think Troop is, you know, going all in. Well, I think Troop is going all in. And I also think that Troop, um, because I'm only, I, I listened to just a, a quick bit of the Jackson 5 version before we went on the air. And um, because I probably had only heard it maybe two or three times, honestly. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think the Troop is better, one, well, primarily because I think as a group, so as a collective group, Troop are better singers than the Jackson 5. The Jackson mm. 5 are Michael, they're Jermaine, and then everybody else is kind of like playing their position. Right, right. Tito, play, Tito plays uh, uh, the guitar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Way in the back. Right, right. <laughs> With like that big Apple hat on. Because that's the only way they can see him. Right. Like, what's, the, what's that hat in the back? Oh, right. it's Tito. Right, but right. Troop, I think collectively are better singers than the Jackson Five, and on that song, it really shines out because they they were more harmonious mm-hmm. on there as well. So I do th- I do think this is one of those rare occasions where the remake is superior to the original. Right, right. And in the Jackson Five's defense, like that wasn't actually a Jackson Five single. Mm-hmm. Like it was the B, it was the B side to Forever Came Today, and mm-hmm. and people start kind of picking it up. But and not for nothing. Part of the reason that, like, I hear him talking about the orchestration and the production. But part of the reason they left Motown is because, you know, Motown wasn't really supporting the Jackson Five like that. Right. So by right. you know by moving Violation, they had really run out of steam. I would say. And it was right. only when they left that they kind of were reinvigorated. And Jermaine came into his own. Very true. What I was going to th- thought you were going to go, though, where you started saying about how he he's held his own. I mean, he pro- he held his own for Whitney with Whitney Houston. I will give you that. But that's primarily, I think, one, based on the songs that he was singing. And sure. Two, where, and, and two, where Whitney Houston is in her career at that moment. Very young. Very young. Right. You know what I mean? But where I thought you were going to go was, because I'm a fan of Jermaine Jackson, too. And one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Jermaine Jackson song is the song that he does with Michael Jackson, Tell Me I'm Not Dreaming. And I think he holds his own with Michael there. There's a Mm. confidence there where, you know, it would be very easy because Michael... Who it, it and it's definitely a duet, you know. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not like just Michael singing the hook. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there is. It would have been very easy to be swallowed by Michael in there, but I think Jermaine has built up his confidence and his name and his prestige and his swag uh, mm-hmm. enough at that point where he holds his own with Michael in that song, and that's where I thought she was going. No, no, no. That's that is um. That is a very good point. That is a very good example. This is also um, this is also a moment that I, I have to talk again about one of my favorite curios in music, talking about the Jackson family and their mm-hmm. confidence. Uh, mm-hmm. The Jackson Five live in Japan from 1973. 
Yes, yeah. Which I've I love that. talking about that because it's 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 this wonderful moment when Michael is transitioning mm-hmm. into his adult voice and he doesn't sound confident. Yeah. And the brothers kind of step up. And when you listen to the songs, Jermaine is doing a lot more of the singing because in 1973, Michael is still, it sounds like he's still figuring it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And this has been Uh, Jackson talk. This has been Jackson talk. Uh, Deborah Battle, thanks for for chiming in. Jermaine and Whitney Houston song was Nobody Loves You, Nobody Loves Me Like You Do. That's right. That's Um, right. And she also says on their song, if you say my eyes are beautiful, uh, was big with fans of uh, soap operas. That's true. Yeah. yeah oh that, yeah. Yeah. That, and that, that that is very 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 true. Good point. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, wait, was that Kirk? Who was that from? Who posted it on Facebook? That was Deborah. Oh oh, who who posted right, the whole right. the the question? It was Troy Thompson. Yes. Yeah, so Troy, thank you for sending me down a rabbit hole of looking up Jermaine Jackson stuff uh, the other day instead of um grading papers like i was supposed to <laughs> i said well this is certainly way more important than these papers mm-hmm. and i'm sure your students agree <laughs> um support black podcast beat society now an avenue that showcases producers and their creative works as an artist beat society the podcast since 2001 the original showcase dedicated to the fine art of beat making. Check out the Beat Society podcast, updating every Tuesday on BeatSociety.com and wherever you find podcasts. Get involved, get into it, and remember, support Black Podcasts. Were you aware, Vincent, that the best man? I just saw that. The best man is going to be uh, a TV series on the Peacock Network. They signed a deal, all of the original cast. Yep, I just saw that an hour ago. That's right. All of the original cast. They've they've negotiated seven-figure deals for... The best man, the final chapters. They're bringing in, um, they're bringing in all the original producers as well, um, who are going to be on it, uh, doing the work behind the scenes, uh, which are Malcolm Lee and Dana Lynn North. It's going to be ten episodes. I believe they're set to begin shooting this summer. Right, and, and all your favorites are returning, ladies and gentlemen: Morris Chestnut, Melissa D'Souza. Tay Diggs, Regina Hall, Terrence Howard, Sinai Lathan, Harold Perrineau, and of course, Mia Long. The only one who will not be there is uh Vincent's uh friend and 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 uh you know a, your favorite. That's a damn shame. Melissa Calhoun, correct? Monica right. Calhoun. Monica, 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 Monica Calhoun. You know, spoiler. <laughs> Maybe she'll show spoiler. up as like a Jedi ghost. Right. It's not like they didn't want her. It's just, you know. Ooh, Morris <laughs> Chestnut's character. Ooh. 
I cheated with Tay Diggs again. <laughs> Maybe she can come back like like the movie Topper. Maybe she can. <laughs> Very dated reference. Yeah. So what, do you, what do you think of the best man, the final chapters? Vince? You know what? I'm not going to say that they stole our idea. But if you listen to the Best Man Holiday episode, this is exactly what we said. It's exactly what we This said. is exactly what we said it, should happen. It, it, it is. It, it indeed is. I actually reached out to the person uh, who joined us for that episode, Van Everett, to get, see if I could get a statement. I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't got a statement from him yet. Um, so are you excited about this stuff? I think I am excited. I think I am excited. I, I, I think, I, I, again, I, I think the big critique of the Best Man Holiday is that 20 years later, everybody is legitimately a star mm-hmm. so that everyone needs their own storyline. Right. And so this way, way this is the way to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually excited. This is, between this and, and I know you were ambivalent about it, but I was a little excited about the reimagining of the Fresh Prince. But between this and the Fresh Prince, I am I am officially keeping my eye on the Peacock. Yeah. Um, well, wait a minute. Are they? Re- oh, that's right. They are reimagining the Fresh Prince, they, but it started with that little reunion special. That's right. No, 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 no. R- remember, this is going to be the serious one. Yeah. Like yeah. it's basically a reboot. Like it's not a continuation. No, that's what I'm saying. It's a reimagining. Yeah, yeah. It's a reimagining. Right. Yeah. But but I but it but, but the kick things off to kind of like bring it back into the zeitgeist. Right. They did oh, oh no, they did the um the reunion. The re- right, I, the reunion. Right, yeah, yeah. But even, even though I don't think the reunion was on Peacock. Right. Yeah, that was on maybe HBO. On HBO Max. Yeah. It's weird the way that the whole thing had to work out. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I know. Um, I I I'm excited about the business of this. Okay. I'm excited that all of them, you know, obviously, I would imagine, probably, you know, locked down like all of all of the people did one day years ago on the TV series Friends, and locked down so that everybody could get an equal cut. And right. I'm not saying that everybody got an equal cut, but the fact that everybody it says in the in the um the story, which I read from Deadline, that everybody got a seven figure deal means right. that everybody at least got good money. Oh yeah. This. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm not I, I'm happy for them for that. I'm happy that, you know, Malcolm Lee and all of the other producers are getting the chance to further along their story. I don't know, honestly, how invested I am in the story. I mean, I probably will watch it out, probably just you know to see how it goes. Um, but I'm happy. But I'm happy for the business of the of this. They made this deal. They made it happen. You know what I mean? Um, there's so many other stupid things, or uh, I shouldn't say stupid, but so many other pieces of nostalgia are being repurposed for all of these streaming services, especially then why not the best man? Why not a part of our nostalgia as well? So God bless him. Rock on with it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah, very happy for all concerned. And 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 to kind of piggyback off of what you said, very happy that all eight players were invested enough to be involved. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, not to point fingers, but let's just be real. Of those eight, some of those eight can demand more than other of those eight. That's true. That's true. And That's I suspect I somebody took a pay cut just so they could be involved. Just mm-hmm. because I really do think it was probably a case. It's kind of like um used to hear about this with the Wu-Tang Clan. And I know this would happen with New Edition sometimes, where the deal was, you know, in the case of the Wu-Tang Clan, it's all none of y'all or it's no deal. That's right. And, you know, with New Edition, it, you know, once Bobby is in, like, like it's all six mm-hmm. or there's no deal. Mm-hmm. And unlike Wu-Tang in New Edition, this is something that, uh, again, pick who you think is the least important of those eight. If that person isn't there, it distracts from the whole thing and, and arguably it falls apart. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, I'm very happy that all eight signed on. We actually heard back Van ever just while we are doing this live, actually his email came through in regards to his thoughts about the best man, the final chapters. And he said, I actually think this could be dope as long as they don't lean too heavily into the soap opera territory. Mm. Now, and and I think that's a good point. He makes a good point there because they it definitely ran the risk of that dipping into melodrama with the best man holiday. Um I mean so, they killed my girl already. What else are they gonna do? Well, I mean, but there's an argument to be said, you know, they killed your girl. Uh Regina Hall character and Melissa D'Souza character apologized to one another, you know. Um Tay Diggs wrote another book. Got another hit. What else are they going to do? I mean, you know, they got kids. They're getting older. I mean, look, it's look. This is this is best man. This is the best man. The final chapters. Look, not the next chapter. No, 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 no. I hear you, but trust me, as as someone who is surrounded by black people in their late forties, early fifties, it's it's plenty of story. No, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Deborah Battle, who is obviously vying for an internship on the Michelle mission, actually <laughs> uh, wrote that uh, the Fresh Prince reunion was on HBO Max because they have the rights to the streaming streaming the old show. There you go. There you go. It's, it's weird how those rights work out. I know. They, they just. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It, it's weird. It's weird about that. It's funny because I, it, it's funny. I was actually just thinking about that because. For some reason, I was working and I needed just something kind of distracting on TV. I didn't need it, but I did it. I put it on. So I put on an old episode of Taxi that was on CBS All Access. And it's got the little, when it airs, it's got the little CBS All Access down on the bottom. And then as I was watching it, I was remembering the Taxi actually aired on NBC and ABC. That's what I was thinking. It it never aired. But it's because CBS is technically paramount. And Paramount owns the show. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why CBS All Access, the streaming service, is going to be rebranded in March as, to as Paramount. Paramount Plus. Yeah. Uh. 
I but it was a little you. distracting for a, for a minute. I was like, doesn't look right. But there you go. Um, okay. All right. It's almost time for us to get to our review. But I do, be, in, in honor of our celebration of Black Westerns this month, Vince, and we are definitely getting deep into it, into the 70s with Thomasine and Bushrod, we had a question that we put out to the uh, missionaries last week, and I've got another question to put out to the missionaries and you this week, Vince. Okay. All right? So, Vincent and missionaries, if you were a cowboy, would you wear chaps? I mean, I'm assuming I'm riding, am, am I riding horses? Which is an appropriate question for this movie. Very true. Yes, yes. Let's say for the sake of this this question, you are a, a true cowboy who is, yes, riding horses. Then so yes, I, I would. I would wear chaps. You would wear chaps. Because I don't want to chafe. I don't want to okay. chafe. That's true. That's good. I don't want to okay. chafe. Then, I'm glad to hear that, Vince, because now... <laughs> you're, you're glad to hear that I'm anti-chafing? Yes. Okay. Um, but even more so, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you would wear ch- chaps because now comes part two of the question. So, Vince, if you're going to wear chaps, are you going to wear leather or suede? <laughs> Which chaps? <laughs> Which <laughs> chaps? Say Vincent to you. I guess I guess I suede I guess with I the walk. fringes or leather with the fringes. <laughs> as we have a picture up here for everybody streaming. I guess I walked right into that one, huh? <laughs> well, you know me. I always no, bet I on don't. black. This is why I'm asking. <laughs> I always bet on black. <laughs> So you would go with the black leather with yes, the fringe. Yes, yes. See, I myself, I would wear chaps, but there's something about those, those like khaki color suede ones. <laughs> I don't. They look kind of. They look kind of fly. I, I kind of like them. You're not being distracted by the hat, <laughs> the leopard print. <laughs> Oh, this is going to suck on a podcast. But if you were watching this, <laughs> this is the best part of the show. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, enough of that. <laughs> all right. Let's get into our review of Thomasine and Bushrod. We'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it.
Blaxploitation Western, directed by Gordon Parks Jr., written by and starring Max Julian and Vanetta McGee, released by Columbia Pictures, uh, features a title song by the one and only Arthur Lee, performed by his band Love. Thomasine and Bushrod uh, go on a crime, a crime spree through the American South between 1911 and 1915, acting as Robin Hood-type heroes who steal from rich white capitalists then give to Africans, Mexicans, and Native Americans. And this film was Vince's selection <clears throat> for the start of two weeks of our Black History Month celebration of Black Westerns from the man, Vincent What Say You, of Thomasine and Bushrod. How do I want to start this? I, I, I think sort of spoiling it or, or spoiling the review, the story around this movie mm. is probably more interesting than the product itself. Uh, 1974, Max Julian was a, a pretty big deal. He had mm. been acting for years. This is actually our third film that we've seen Max Julian in. He was in The Black Klansman and then he was in Uptight. Mm -hmm. In supporting roles in both. In supporting roles, but but the film that he's most well known for is 1973's The Mac. Right. Where where he plays the pimp Goldie. Um, but besides being an actor, he was also a writer. And he wrote the script to Cleopatra Jones, another film that we've spoken of. And Cleopatra Jones was a film that, that although he wrote it, he didn't really have a lot of pull because he wanted his girlfriend at the time, Vanetta McKee, to play the title role. McGee. And the studio said no and went with Tamara Dobson, which I think we can all agree was was a better i mean I, I you can't imagine anyone else being cleopatra jones than tamara dobson yeah it worked out it worked out Definitely. wait now i can't hear you lynn oh you can't hear me no I, I can hear like a little bit oh i'm talking very loudly i don't know why you can't hear me i hear you fine and you were just hearing me oh there you go all right 
So, between Cleopatra Jones and Thomasine and Bushrod, Max Julian writes the script for this film, and he writes it for Vanetta McKee. And Mm -hmm. as part of the deal to get it produced, A, he has to produce it. B, he has to star in it as well. So this stars the real-life couple of Vanetta McKee and Max Julian, and that's sort of the background. Right. You're saying you're saying McKee though. And which I'm sorry, McGee. Confusing. McGee. McGee, which sidebar, I found out today that Vanetta McKee, McGee, and Lonette McGee. Vanetta McKee <laughs> with the K. Well, Vanetta McGee with a G. Vanetta McGee with a G. And Vanetta and Lynetta McKee with a K, K. are not sisters. <laughs> Which once you get the spelling down, you realize it. <laughs> but, but but without that, yeah. And yeah, yeah. and and I'll have to say that this is so little known. Like I've literally been writing and saying this for thirty years. No one has ever corrected me. Right. No one has ever said they're not actually. It actually gets confusing because. When people talk about um, Lynette McKee, there are actually the McKee sisters. Mm-hmm. And her sister, Kathy, was an actress. The third sister isn't an actress, but they say Lynette McKee, uh, Lynetta McKee and her sisters. Right. So then Vanetta McGee, and they kind of sort of favor each other. Mm-hmm. Like, they look like they could be sisters. But anyway, Vanetta McGee and Max Julian are a couple. And they make this film. And I have to say, this is a film that frustrated me to no end. It really, really really did. I I think one of the reasons I enjoy this month that we do is I think just, just thematically, there's something beautiful about Black Westerns. Mm. Like, I think, I I really do think that convergence of history, pop culture, and race in America, where you look at the cowboy movie, when you look at the Western, and you see how black people were systematically erased from this period of time, when historically one in every five cowboys was black. Mm Mm-hmm. Whether we're talking about Posse, whether we're talking about the Wild Wild West, whether we're talking about Buck and the Preacher, I think that there is something noble about creators reinserting us mm-hmm. into this history. Mm-hmm. When you look at it through gender, I think there's something beautiful about Black women being part of that story. Yeah. And and one thing again that I have enjoyed over the past couple of years when we've talked about westerns is you know the image of Ruby D in Buck yeah. and the Preacher. Or Buck and the Preacher, yeah. Riding yeah. with her with her gun. That moment at the end of Django that I adore where mm-hmm. Carrie Washington spins around and has a rifle in her own gun. You know, silly gang of roses, a silly disposable movie. But I love that that image mm-hmm. of these black women who are now a part of this. And this was a real opportunity to have 
a black woman in the foreground. And I think, I just don't think Vanetta McGee was up to the challenge. Mm -hmm. This is our second time talking about her on this show. Uh, she was in Blackula. I liked her better than you did in Blackula, but she was very much okay in Blackula. Mm -hmm. Right, right. She was in Sleeping with Anger, but Sleeping with Anger was this huge ensemble that she basically played her position. Mm -hmm. But I think that is Vanetta McGee's speed. Right. Like, I think if she's in an ensemble, I, I think if she kind of has her lane she does fine. Like, I like her, but I don't think she's a strong enough actress mm -hmm. to really carry this film. Right. On the other hand, there's Max Julian. And I, you know, Max Julian just has this real affectation where he's kind of laconic or, or monotone. And, yeah. and the reason I brought up that we've talked about him twice, and I'm glad that you clarified is he was in a supporting role in both of those films. Mm -hmm. He works in the Mac because that actual character works like that. Like that, that weird construction of a pimp, like a movie pimp, mm -hmm. he works like that. But Max Julian is also not the greatest actor. Right. And ironically, for them to be a couple. Here we go. There is no <laughs> film chemistry between Here them. Here we go. Like, I kept, like, I was watching it, and I actually went and looked back, and I said, well, when did they break up? <laughs> did it happen? <laughs> because I thought maybe they were, you know, I'm trying to figure, you know, it's like, like, this man has has used up all his, his chips and influence from the Mac. Like this is like this is real baller stuff right here. Mm -hmm. Like he made a movie for her. Like I made you a movie. But there is no chemistry there. No. And and that and that is a big problem with this film. I think the other big problem and the part that because that's just you know I just don't think that's there with them. Like that's just they needed someone else in those roles. Right. But I think what frustrated me the most about this film, frankly, was the script itself. Mm. And, and, and what, what I thought about this script, it's funny. I was mentioning grading papers earlier and, and I teach freshman comp. I teach a, a lot of freshmen and I tell them all the time. Oftentimes what happens is that they write their papers and I always say you have to write the bad out. Mm -hmm. So like it'll be a five page paper and you'll get to like halfway down the fourth page. So it'll be three and a half pages and they will write themselves into the thesis. And I'll circle that paragraph and say the paper should have started here. Mm -hmm. Like you did all this other stuff. You didn't want to get rid of it, but you should have got rid of it and then started your paper here. There's a moment in this film. The film starts, Thomasine is a bounty hunter, and she's already a bounty hunter, and she's kind of doing it, and they just sort of amble around that and what it means. There's a couple of moments that I kind of like. Bushrod 
is is a, a horse whisperer basically. Yeah, more or less. Right. And, and I mean, they tell us that never really, he wears chaps. He wears chaps. He you know he punches a guy who abuses a horse because he doesn't have his ability to blow smoke in the horse's nose and mm-hmm. tame him. And then they kind of come together because Bushrod has killed somebody in the past and there's a bounty on them and they come back together and then they escape and there's a moment where they become bank robbers like almost 45 minutes into the film and at the end of the previous scene a woman who takes their photograph says you know i I would never imagine them stealing robbing banks because Mm -hmm. they're black people because i do like the way they kind of handle race Mm-hmm. And the casual racism. And she says, you know, black people just sing and dance and steal chickens. Like they right. would never rob banks. And then they cut to the next scene and they're both wearing these elaborate Western outfits through a 70s prism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're, they're in no way realistic, but they kind of work because it's mm-hmm. a set. Like you see what it's very stylized and they go into a bank. And and Bushrod says basically, my name is Bushrod, and this lovely lady is Thomasine, and we're here to rob this bank. Right, right. And for about fifteen minutes, the film pops. Like mm-hmm. they do these black and white film montages. Yeah, because that's where you go to a montage. Yeah, yeah, and they and it goes, and it's like, well, this should have been the first scene of the movie. Like it should have started here. Or at least got there a lot sooner. Uh, got there a lot sooner. And then even there, even there, they kind of lose track of that. Mm-hmm. And the script kind of rambles around and then Glenn Turman shows up 20 minutes before the movie is over. And you just get the sense that the script needed two or three more drafts. Like the right. script itself, like we can we can talk about the acting, but the script itself needed two or three more drafts. And again, it's very frustrating because something like a Bonnie and Clyde type couple, a black mm-hmm. Bonnie and Clyde type couple robbing banks because people underestimate them because they're black mm-hmm. is a great story. Yep. yep. Hell, Thomasine. As a female black bounty hunter, is a great story. Right. They have this wonderful detail where it's set in 1911, and every now and then they allude to the fact that the Wild West is closing up. Mm-hmm. You know, the automobiles play a large part of this film, and this kind of back and forth between are we going to be on horses or are we going to be on cars? Right, right. There's this moment that slips away. It's so frustrating. Glenn Turman's character comes in at the end and says part of the reason that he has come to where Bushrod and Thomasine are, he said they are putting up barbed wire all over Texas, mm-hmm. which is actually how the, the frontier got, quote unquote, civilized. Exactly. Because the right. landowners start throwing up fences, but they say it and then it's gone. So that what you end up with is a film 
filled with missed opportunities. Right. Yeah. It's and that's and frustration is a perfect word for it. Like I I do not disagree with anything you have said so far. And I'm so glad you said it. So now I don't even have to repeat it because I didn't want to have to be the bad guy coming on here and saying like, you know, Vanetta McGee, she's not, I can see why they maybe went with Tamara Dobson with Cleopatra Jones Mm -hmm. because she's not, she, and, and, and and actually it's, it's a fairy on both of them because she's asked to come across as this kind of like, you know, tough as nails, uh, bounty hunter, right? And she's she's not bad. But to be honest, she's one of the better things in this movie, acting wise. Mm-hmm. She's not great acting, but she's one of the better things in here. Um, and I think that's because the movie and the script, as much as it does give her uh, needed another pass, you could tell you could feel Max Julian trying to write a character a true character for her that was unseen on the screen at that time mm-hmm. you know like you said a bl- uh, a black woman bounty hunter in the old west the the woman is more or less the mastermind about how they are pulling off these robberies she's the smart one in this crew you know um much to his chagrin and you know and and bushrod I mean, first of all, look at it. If you if you just told somebody never seeing this film is Thomasine and Bushrod, you would think that the woman is Bushrod. You just mm-hmm. think that she's going to be the second name, second billing, but she's not. It's actually the lead is Bushrod, and he is second billed as far as this this uh, robbing duo because she is the one that tells him what to do. She is the one that you know makes it work um and the frustration that you you the script tells you he feels is an interesting way to go with it as well you know how does he deal with you know like oh my god like yeah we're robbing banks but all of a sudden you're telling me what to do and everything like that and he like like come on and the script gives lip service to his feelings about that and their are scenes that play out about that, that play that out where he actually smacks her um, yeah. because because of how they're talking to one another. But because, like you said, there is zero chemistry between them, you don't care. You don't feel it at all. And that's because there's, not only is there no chemistry between them, but because Max Julian is so laid back that you don't believe anything that is said. Like when you mentioned in the beginning of the scene, because some dude is not a horse whisperer and is treating a horse rough and Max Julian Bushride shows him how it's done. And then Bush walks up to him and say, that's how you, you buck a horse. And he punches the dude off the fence. I was waiting for the scene after that for Bushrod to be shaking his hand because it hurt because there's no way that you can make me believe that Bushrod had the strength to knock that dude out (laughs) in one punch off the fence. Right, right. Because then it cuts to Bushrod playing poker with all these white guys and these white guys are being, you know, 
is a typical scene. They're being racist towards him and everything like that. And Bushrod sitting there taking it and pulls pulls a you know uh, he takes it only but so far until he pulls his gun, but he does but he doesn't shoot. He just walks off. And like the piano, you know, the, the the dealer's like, man, you lucky, man. That was Bushrod. You know, Bushrod, you don't mess around with Bushrod. I'm like, who care about Bushrod? Like, are, are we really seriously scared about Bushrod and his Larry Fine wig that he's right, got going right, on? Right. Like, are we are we really supposed to be scared of a of, of Bushrod? I mean, like, like, no. And 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 even if we are supposed to be scared of Bushrod, are we really supposed to be scared of Max Julian, who in every scene where he is asked to brandish a gun, looks like it's his very first time ever seeing a gun, let right, alone right. picking up a gun and shooting a gun. Neither of them know how to hold a gun or shoot a gun. I mean, that made abs- I was like, yo, what is happening here? I was... That took me out of this, this movie so much. Their lack of chemistry... And then you talked about Glenn Turman show, showing up at the end. Thank God for Glenn Turman because I woke up for the last 20 minutes of the movie. Right. And this is Glenn Turman before Cooley High. He's oh, not yeah. Glenn Turman yet, you know? So is he over the top a little bit because he's playing this wild Jamaican guy on the planes? I'm like, why not? What? Yeah, well, why not? <laughs> what? Sure. I'm like, okay. At least he's adding some energy into this movie. He's backflipping off of horses. Yeah. He knows how to shoot a gun. He's right. riding the horses. I'm, I'm, I'm with it. And the other shame about this is that the film is directed by Gordon Parks Jr. It's not badly directed. No, it's, no, it, it's it not. Opens, it opens with some like real, like typical like, you know, Western vistas of the mm-hmm. plains and stuff. And like, it, it's beautiful. And there's, there's some, there's a nice shot of them, you know, slow motion playing in the, in the riverbed. And, you know, it plays on a little bit too long, but it, it's nicely done. It's not a badly made movie. I mean, you can nitpick here and there, but from a production standard, it's not badly made. It's the shame of it. It is, Max Julian being the writer and the star and Vanetta McGee being the co-star are the people that bring this film down. And yeah. it's, it's, and it really is a shame. Cause like you said, this, there's a story here. It, we've talked about before about how many of these movies, especially from the seventies are begging to be remade. This is a movie Look. that is begging to be remade look there's really something here look one of the programming things that i regret is that we did not include that we didn't watch little woods during the western month Mm -hmm. if i ever get a moment to talk to nia DaCosta, if somehow we are ever in the same place and you think about how thoughtfully she Mm -hmm. dealt with race and gender within Westerns yep. in Little Woods, the first thing I'm going to say to Nia DaCosta is, have you thought about remaking Thomasine and Bushrod? Imagine what she would do with this. Yeah. Imagine yeah. what she could do with this. I know. I right. mean, 
it's it 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 is it is a shame. But what what I don't get though, because as I was looking up information about this movie, and I was seeing because I don't want to you know, to be fair, you can't find a lot of information about the film. Oh yeah, right? it's it's yeah, it's it's definitely something that's almost vanished. Right, but what little bit I could find was mostly the thoughts of people who have seen the film. Mm-hmm. And it appears, at least from from everything that I saw, there's a lot of love for this film. There's a yeah. lot of oh, a yeah. lot of people like, you know, like herald this as one of the classic films of the era. And for the life of me, and, and don't get me wrong, I wanted to go in believing mm-hmm. that. And I watched this film wanting to believe it. Maybe it's like, all right, well, maybe they're, they're saying classic because they're pulling, not, not the film in general, but there's something here. Maybe there's a performance or maybe it's, maybe the cinematography is that world breaking or maybe it's because Glenn Turman is, is kind of like, you know, his introduction, but it's not the introduction to Glenn Turman either. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out like, what is it that has made this film beloved by so many people? Because I'm failing to put my finger on it. I, I really do think a lot of it is just it being this black western like like I'm trying to look real like um Buck and the Preacher is 1972. Right. Like I'm trying to think of 70s cowboy movies. Well, Adios Amigos is the, is the next year. Is the next year. Uh so that's after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other big 70s western that I always think of is Boss Again. with Fred right. Williamson and right. Durville right. Martin and that's 1974 so that's the same year as this mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. when people do you gotta edit that? like that's the name of the movie like I saw you I saw you just look at the timer it's, I'm sorry like that's actually the name of the movie you did the Lynn look at the timer <laughs> This part of the show plays on the radio. Vince. Okay. You gotta, you gotta be. Okay. So Boss N-Word <laughs> comes out the same year. And when you talk to, like, this is a very specialized subject, kind of 70s black westerns. Right. Very much. Right. So it's like, pe- people talk, I, I think, maybe Boss again, a little bit more than Buck and the Preacher. Yeah, I I think so too. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. I think that the I think the, the people c- cape up for Buck and a preacher a little bit more. I've never even you know I never I never even heard of Adios Amigo before like three or four years ago, and I'm somebody that loves this stuff. Sorry, Lynn. The um the the legend of uh, Nigger Charlie is 1972. Okay. Which that also yeah. comes up. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But if you think of like like it's just not a that many westerns from the seventies. Mm-hmm. Black westerns. And this is perhaps the only one that really has a woman out front. Well, yeah. Like yeah, we love true. Ruby D in Buck and the Preacher, but, but she's not the well, anyway. well, well, the title is Buck and the Preacher. Right, 
Right. You know, it's not Buck, his wife, in The Preacher. Right. So, I, I, like, I understand wanting to love this movie. Like, I want to love this. And, frankly, if, if I'm just going to call people out, I wonder how many people have seen it from beginning to end. Like you see that montage, like like mm-hmm. that's a like that that montage you that see. That montage will fool you. You know, you know, you know, mom, I'm, I'm you know, I'm Bushrod and this is Thomasine and we're here to rob this bank. And then they kind of show and I've seen stills of them. Mm-hmm. In those mm-hmm. very stylized western outfits. And those work. The stills work. Yeah. But which are all pulled from that that montage. Right? But but yeah, I don't I don't I, So I, don't, I guess I, guess, I don't think so it's then, the film itself. Thinking about it, and thinking about it, I think like then is Tom and Scene and Bushrod to the black westerns what Ganja and Hess is to the black horror films. Neither of them super well made movies, but the ideas of them, the thoughts behind them maybe elevate them a little bit more than- the only reason i hesitate to go along with that is i do think ganja and hess justifies itself once you like like i i, I think it's a challenging film but right. i don't think it's right. challenging because of the quality i, I no i i hear you I, I i see where you're going with that yeah i agree yeah. I think people just want to like Thomasine and Bushrod. And I suspect at the time, people liked them as a couple. True. True. And they actually stayed as a couple. You asked when they broke up. I believe they broke up in 1977. Right. Yeah, 77. So, but, um, and, and surprisingly, I was actually surprised that, uh, Vanetta McGee is, is no longer with us. Um, she passed away. Yeah, she passed away a few years. Yeah, I remember that. I was, it was, cause, cause I like her. Like, I like her. And like you said, A, she's the best thing in a film with with some middling performances. Mm-hmm. But even in this film, like, once you get her out of her, like, there's a moment where, where she kills the banker and mm-hmm. she has a breakdown. And she, it's like, whoa, come on back in. Like, I, like easy. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing way too much right now, Vanetta McGee. Yeah. So. So it's a shame. It is a. Sh- it's it's a, a sh- real shame. It, it it is a shame. It is a shame. I, for the life of me, I'm sorry. Because this film, you know, it's Bonnie and Clyde all the way, yeah. all the way down to them going out in a blaze of glory. Well. He goes out in a blaze of glory. And you know what? And let me just talk about, like, like I, like I want to circle back. I don't want to lose this. When you said you could see Max Julian as the writer trying to create this character for Thomasina. Mm-hmm. Thomasine. Thomasine, I'm sorry. He must have used all his energy with that. Because what is going on with Bushrod? I do not know. It starts out, somebody says in passing, you grew up with circus people. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, certainly that's going to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe he's, like, I don't, like, is he an acrobat? Like, like, like he grew up with circus people. That, that seems like something that's going to go somewhere. 
The old black man says, I just wanted to put my eye on you. The rumor is you can't die. Right. And I said, well, clearly that's going somewhere. (laughs) We're talking about first five minutes. Yeah. (laughs) He grew up with circus people and he can't die. So certainly this is going to be important later in the film. No. Then there are five minutes where they're up in the mountains with some black Indians. Yeah, I didn't really understand what was happening there. I said, um, what, is, what is going on? And again, you just get the sense that Max Julian was just sort of writing stuff. Yeah. And if ever and if ever a movie was like begging for like at least one flashback to these <laughs> uh, to these illusions that you keep making, Look. these these wistful, mystical illusions you keep making to your origin story. Like, <laughs> Lynn, for one half hour, I waited for this you grew up with circus people to be important. <laughs> for one full half hour, I was waiting for him to juggle or, you know, do some miming or... Or, or, or run into the circus. You know, swallow a sword, <laughs> something. Or 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 maybe Glenn Turman was in the circus with him because he had he had the trappings. Right. <laughs> Remember when we were in the circus? It's like, all right, circus. <laughs> like I expected him to be a strong man, like something. No, no. But Glenn Turman is another person from his past. Right. <laughs> Who's Jamaican? <laughs> and don't have no shirt. And is allergic to shirts. Yes. I'm Glenn Turman. I weigh 80 pounds. I don't have no shirt. And a floppy hat. And yes, I can do Jamaican. (laughs) Wait a minute. There aren't any Jamaicans in here, are there? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I can definitely be Jamaican. As long as everybody in here is from Detroit. So Vincent, the sixty-four thousand dollar question. Yeah, would you recommend Thomasine and Bushrod? It pains me. It actually pains me to say no. Like it hurts to say no because I do. I really, really want to love this movie. No. I really want to like, like I realized as I was watching it, like I know I've seen it before, but I must have blocked it out my mind. So unfortunately, I think I'm going to have to say no. Yeah, I think we're going to be, it's going to be a twofer here, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think I can recommend this for you either. Now, I should offer this one proviso. Okay. I, I did let a friend of mine know that we were watching this film for the, sh- for the show. And uh, she did watch the film last night. Okay. And then wrote to me to say that, you know, she didn't think the film was half bad. You know, okay. She didn't think it was great, but she didn't think it was half bad. So, you know, that means... That, and like I said, there are people who have watched this film 
who who stand by it, who cake for this film. Oh yeah, people so, really like this film. So you know, if you want to go watch it, feel free, but don't say that I told you so. Yeah, because I can't recommend this movie. I don't think it's. I don't think it's. And I kind of like agree. I don't think it's half bad, but I just don't think it's good enough to get over the frustration that mm-hmm. it, it it made me feel. Yeah. Right. Right, because some movies aren't half bad. You just like, all right, well, it is what it is. But this, it, it begs to be so much more. And look, it just look if just, I, if you can get somebody to take this actual script and give it, like you said, another pass. Like somebody just take the script and 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 slices. And again, near to like I hope near to Costa makes. A bazillion dollars after Candyman mm-hmm. and Captain Marvel 2. And could just do whatever she wants. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like Barry Jenkins went and did if Bill Street could talk. Mm-hmm. I would love to see her bring the little wood sensibility to this. I would love that. Yeah. I mean, hell, go get Tessa Thompson to play her. Like, just put the Little Woods team back together. Yeah. Get Tessa Thompson to play Thomasine. Yeah. It don't even have to be Thomasine and Bushrod. It could just be Tom. Quiet is kept. It could just be Thomasine. The opening minutes where, look, Vanetta McGee, you know, say what we have about her acting. Those opening minutes where, where it's just her. I would have been fine if Max Julian never showed up. Look, part of and the reason... maybe she gets baked into the acting a little bit more. Part of the maybe. reason I thought about Little Woods immediately. That moment in the beginning where she catches the guy and mm-hmm. you find out she's a bounty hunter and she goes to collect her bounty and the sheriff pushes her into the, um, into the, into the cell. cell so that you get this real sense of how vulnerable she is as a woman and as a black woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually wrote in my notes, I said, well, this is just Little Woods. Right. Like, this right. is what we said for two hours with Little Woods. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you don't need Bushrod. No. No. So. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. But if you did, but if you, if you did do Thomasina Bushrod and you had uh, Tessa Thompson, I say get Lakeith Stansfield. But I'm Look, just saying. Of course. Of course. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Nia right, DaCosta, give us a call. What'd you say? I said Nia DaCosta, give us a call. I guess she doesn't need to give us a call. We just told her. We just told her. Told her. She listens to the podcast. Yes, yes. And if she doesn't, Phil Lord will tell her. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Unfortunately, I, yes. I think it's enough. It's a no, ladies and gentlemen. Before we tell you what we're going to be reviewing next week on our celebration of Black uh, Westerns here in Black History Month, I invite you all, each and every one of you, ladies and gentlemen, to go out and like and follow the Michaud Mission on all the social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. You can find us at Michaud Mission. That is M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N. Go to the michellemission.com, our website where you can become a uh, subscriber. 
to the Michelle Mission Dispatch, our weekly newsletter, so you can find out what's happening on the Michelle Mission. And we also have a lot of cool articles in there. We got a cool article right right now about the um, the cowgirls of color. So mm-hmm. you may want to uh, check that out. You can email all your thoughts and concerns to the Michelle Mission at michellemission at gmail.com. And while you're at the website, hit swag where you can check out all of our cool design t-shirts and and uh, uh, ancillary items for your buying pleasure brought to you by our good friends at Tee Public. The Michelle Mission is a proud member of the podglomerate thepodglomerate.com curated podcast for your listening pleasure and the michelle mission is available as a radio show every saturday at 1 p.m on wppm lp philly cam 106.5 philly cam the people power media station here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection and the Michelle mission is available for your wake up call every Monday at 9 a.m. on WKDU FM 91.7, the voice of Drexel University. All right, Vincent, next week, you're back at it. Yes. Choice from you, Vince. What are we watching next week? Adios Amigo. I just mentioned it's a film that I have not known of that long, so I'm very curious about it. Fred Williamson and Richard Pryor, written, directed, and produced by Fred Williamson, which we'll see how that turns out. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Buried the lead there. Okay. Um, I actually think that I watched this film one time as a kid um, back in the movies, like for like a dollar fifty, like on, went there and like a whole bunch of movies were playing. And I seem to remember, I think I watched this movie one day. Okay. In the theaters. So it'll be, it'll be fun to return to uh, Richard Pryor and Fred Williamson in Adios Amigos. That's next week here on the Michelle Mission, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, he's Vincent. I'm Len. In parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.